right, glad you're with us. 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of this extravaganza to the extent it's possible begging the people of Georgia. The Senate races, this runoff race, it is now December 15th, 21 days from now, uh, will be the runoff in the great state of Georgia. I know some Republicans are angry, you're pissed off, you are ticked off, you are mad at your governor, you're mad at your secretary of state. I share in your anger, angst, frustration, and all of the above. I'll make a point to you. If you want to see the investigation into zero experience hunter and uh, quid pro quo joe continue there's reason number one if you think the hard-fought gains that have happened in the last four years will continue if it's a 50 50 tie in the senate it will not it'll be wiped clean reason number two reason number three if you care about the president Forget about your local politicians or your state politicians. If you care about him and his family and the never ending, you know, witch hunts that they have had, the Russia Trump collusion hoaxers out there and and birthers and truthers, if you will. um, And you care about the Ukrainian hoax and you care about, you know, the the commitment, the psychosis to just every single second hour of every single day to destroy Trump and his family you can help him out there, too. And you can help your country out. It's called the check and a balance. Um, I know that some of you are frustrated. I share all of it, every bit of it, without exception. Um, and it is, you know, a, beyond a point where, you know, this it's just an amazing time to watch and observe and comment and be a part of what I think is a, a really big tipping point moment for the country. This is not a joke. By the way, pressure is growing on Pelosi to uh, remove Swalwell from the Intel Committee. I mean, the guy dated a Chinese spy, according to all accounts. Not talking about the nature of the relationship. We showed pictures last night. There's more pictures of Swalwell with this woman, Christina Fang, or Christine Fang, uh, apparently has slept with a bunch of other politicians in other states. And it just raises questions. You know, with all the talk, nobody's going to dispute Putin is a hostile actor, Russia a hostile regime. Nobody is going to dispute the same with the Iranian mullahs that, you know, Joe Biden and Barack Obama love so much. Nobody's going to dispute that the Chinese are a far bigger threat. Devin Nunes, who did tell us the truth, was saying as much on Hannity last night on the Fox News Channel. You have a group of Republicans uh, now calling on Pelosi. Swalwell's got to go. Now, I'm going to tell you, this is this goes into this whole Joe Biden and Hunter Biden foreign uh, family corruption syndicate that they've had. Because I'm telling you that the Chinese are not going to that they're going to love Joe Biden if he's president. Listen, are we really that the media mob can protect Biden? The Democrats can act like they don't see it. Everyone else I talk to asked me about it. So everyone else sees it, that he's weak, frail, struggling cognitively. And the rest of the world sees it, too. They're not looking at this any other way, except that they're just extremely power hungry and would love to assert 
the role of the United States as the most dominant country in the world. And trust me, we know this has been going on, and it's one of the reasons it's kind of bewildering to me that nobody ever thought to ever challenge the Chinese government with their unfair trade practices, their intellectual property theft, and everything else, every tariff that they put on every every manufacturer. And literally forcing manufacturing to pick up, leave the United States for cheap labor in China, and then we'd have to import all of our stuff back, by the way, including medicines and pharmaceuticals and and PPE and everything else in between. I mean, it's pretty unbelievable to me. But now, okay, how do you think they feel? They, they, they see what America is not going to talk about and want to take full advantage. Anything other than that, it, it, any belief system other than that is just beyond ridiculously naive. And a policy of appeasement didn't work with, with the Mullahs the first time. How much money would Joe Biden be willing and John Kerry be willing to pay on the other end of this? So there's a lot here that we got to pay attention to. By the way, those of you in Georgia, back to you. Apparently, Biden is going to leave his basement bunker and he's going to campaign next week in Georgia. I don't know what it's going to be. He's going to travel to Atlanta. And uh, apparently in the campaigns of radical Raphael Warnock and John Ossoff. And apparently they're doing a drive-in rally. Okay. They didn't work too well. That's, that just raises other questions. How many Who believes that Joe Biden got 15 million more votes than Barack Obama? I don't buy it. You can convince me all you want, but it's not going to get you very far because I'm not I'm not buying into it. Um, one of the biggest things that we, you know, have to come to grips with is something that I dis- discussed in detail yesterday is that we now have and, and this is where I think Donald Trump represents the, the biggest threat to everybody and everything that is all things Washington, D.C., all things swamp, all things sewer, all things swamp creatures, is you've got, obviously, Democrats. You've got their allies in the mob, the media. You've got their big tech allies telling us what we can and cannot read. And then you've got weak Republicans that, you know, want this status quo of doing nothing, I guess, to continue in perpetuity and, you know, have no appetite seemingly at all to go fight for the things that they say that they're going to fight for when they're candidates and go to, you know, fight for the principles they say they believe in when they're campaigning, which is probably like, you know, you would think that that's a pretty simple solution to get reelected. If you keep your promises, you fight for the things you said you were going to fight for and don't stop. Well, the president should have turned off the switch. I mean, what does that even mean? You know, how soon, if Joe Biden's president, are people going to be saying, do you miss me yet? And like people are going to be like, why did I care about the tweeting so much? I'll take the tweets over this. Um, I mean, it's not, you know, socialism is what it is. It is a predictable failure, whatever manifestation, whatever name, whatever way it's implemented. It has lofty promises. We're going to take from this group. We're going to give to this group. We're going to redistribute wealth. We're going to have fundamental fairness. Every single need you have will be taken care of by your government. That's all the same promises. Then you believe in the promises. And then, you know, some people vote for the promises. Some people don't. And and then all of a sudden you get disappointed. They didn't keep their promises. And then you realize not only did they not keep their promise, but Everything they promised didn't come to fruition. Nothing came. Nothing is real. 
And then you realize that in the course of this false security that all these wonderful politicians said they were going to provide for you, you end up with nothing and poorer than when you started. Except now, in the name of false security, you gave up personal freedoms in the interim. And so, you know, there's a lot of, there's so much damage here that it is, it's almost too much to even absorb completely and fully. You know, you, 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 I watched the, the media mob, I watched the big tech mob. Did the big tech companies ever, ever impose censorship on the Trump-Russia collusion hoax that went on for three years? No, they, they let it ride. Here you have a real story that now the media and big tech have to recognize was real. They all say, oh, there's nothing to this about zero experience Hunter and quid pro quo Joe. And it's like, oh, yeah, there's an investigation. Uh-oh, we better just act like we, we didn't know. But now we know because the election's over and we protected Joe Biden. But you have all these swamp creatures. They, they don't like the sunlight and the disinfectant that Donald Trump really represented for them. And and it is and you look at the the pure, bitter hatred that we've all experienced, watched and witnessed every second minute hour of every 24 hour day of all things, hatred of Donald J. Trump and his family. And they want wanted as much collateral damage as they can get and dragging the country through hell. That was all on the table for them. And then the mob and the media and then everybody else in but Democrats now lecturing for the good of the country. And I'm like, for the good of the country, look what you put the country through the last five years. We gotta listen. We're going to get lectured by these people. I'm sorry, I'm not buying it, nor do I feel any sense of, of backing off from um, being lectured by a lot of these very same people. I mean, you look at it. Look at the, the false Russia reporting for three years. Did they ever admit they're wrong? No. Look at the false narrative, the breathtaking hypocrisy on the dossier. Look at, you know, the the Russian disinformation dossier, the FISA applications, the premeditated fraud, the spying on a candidate and a president. All of it happened. None of them were ever outraged at any of those things. You know, you have one hearsay whistleblower that's anonymous and that person's patriotic, courageous, wonderful and all things great. And we tip our hat to that great whistleblower. Yeah, whistleblowers of election fraud, but they don't even want to hear it. They won't cover it. They won't talk to the people. They're not booking the people. They don't even want to hear from the people. And if anything, they just get dismissed outright and and ignored, or worse, they get attacked. You know, you look at, for example, the Hunter Biden story, back to that. And big tech wouldn't even tell the American people or allowed you to decide for yourself. Now, all of a sudden, yeah, it actually kind of did happen, but it's not really that big a deal. If you look at it in proportionality, it shouldn't be even at the top 10 list of anybody. You know, the mocking of the president and the COVID vaccine. Really? The president? Oh, it's never going to happen. Hey, man, come on, man. You're a junkie. You know, there's no miracle coming. Well, the miracle came and, and it got done. Um, so there's a lot lot to unpack in in all of this you know let me let me go to this media mocking trump's promise that a covid vaccine would be ready by the end of this year because now not only is it ready now a million doses was shipped out over the weekend and people are getting vaccinated yesterday and today it's already happening listen 
We'll have a vaccine by the end of this year. Is that possible in your view? Oh, Brian, you know, it's another day of uh, POTUS in Wonderland here. Uh, it is preposterous to make that statement. That's an ambitious timeline, and many health experts aren't so sure it's achievable. A coronavirus vaccine, Trump says it could come out this year, this sort of, you know, happy talk that he's doing about a vaccine. Um, experts say he'd be in need a miracle to be right. Here's the thing, you cannot talk yourself into a vaccine. The fastest a vaccine has ever been produced from start to finish is five years. Five years. Let's count on Lion Brian for our, for our news and information. Unbelievable. Unbelievable times. I don't know how I forgot to mention this. Uh, a little tone deaf. Well, actually a lot tone deaf. Some of the top officials in Georgia. But a top Georgian official, for those of you maybe on the fence about not taking this Senate runoff, these Senate runoff races seriously, uh, announced investigators will conduct the signature audit of absentee ballot envelopes for votes cast during the state's June primary and the 2020 presidential election. And the Secretary of State said during the press conference Monday, officials received a report that signatures may not have been properly verified in the county during a primary election. Didn't mention whether any such complaint was made during the county's general election in November. I feel we need to take steps to restore confidence on our elections. Gee, the Secretary of State finally may be feeling the heat. And, you know, how much more loud do people have to get? Starting immediately, we're pulling all of our resources together. The GBI, Georgia Bureau of Investigation, to conduct a signature match audit of Cobb County. The audit, and blah, 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 and it goes on from there. So, as people being loud enough is beginning to be heard, the president's campaign put out Georgia Senators David Perdue, Kelly Loeffler, are proven solid conservative leaders. This is in response to Joe Biden's visit to Georgia. As voters become engaged in the crucial January 5th uh, runoff elections. Uh, now, we did tell you about the report. One of the frustrating things is we've got to change. We've got to fix voter ID. It's imperative. All this early voting, late counting, it can't go on. You know, all of this. Oh, we're not going to follow the law. Partisan observers being allowed to observe. No. You know, I mean, I think the biggest beatdown came from the Wisconsin Supreme Court. And this is a 4-3 decision. I told you the two strongest legal cases that we paid the most attention to were, well, actually three, Georgia, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin. Wisconsin was about, well, the law is clear. They don't allow early voting. The chief justice in this dissent, 4-3 ruling, a significant portion of the public does not believe that the presidential election was fairly conducted. Four justices on this court cannot be bothered with addressing what the statutes require to assure absentee ballots are lawfully cast. The chief justice of the Wisconsin Supreme Court continues. Four members of this court throw the cloak over numerous problems that will be repeated again and again until this court has the courage to correct them. Another dissenting judge, uh, Justice writes, every single voter in this state is harmed. When a vote is cast in contravention of the statutes and goes on that the ruling is doomed to create chaos, uncertainty, undermine confidence and spawn needless litigation. This is not the rule of law. It is the rule of judicial activism through inaction. That is about as powerful a beatdown that you'll ever get from one Supreme Court justice to another. We'll continue. 25 to the top of the hour. 800-941-SHAWN. You want to be a part of the program. Well, it is interesting. I mean, I'm a little 
too late from my perspective. I never liked the fact that we, uh, with Durham in particular, we had an election in 2020, but we never got to the bottom of what happened in 2016. Now, I've read everything as you have read, that he's hiring more prosecutors and getting to the bottom of it eventually, I guess, matters. But it's unconscionable to me that all of this has taken this long. The Horowitz report was out, you know, forever ago. The Horowitz report was a roadmap pointing in the direction, including referrals for specific people. Same laws applied to Stone and Manafort and Papadopoulos and Flynn, where they applied to these deep state operatives that abused power and were corrupt, would have resulted in the same results. But we haven't had equal justice in application of our laws. What's Durham up to? I, I, I have no earthly idea. With all the people, and I, and I never understood why Horowitz took so long. I mean, they, they have like 600 plus people working for them. It's a lot of people. It's a lot of reason. Well, there's expanding out the investigation and earlier report this week. I'm like, can we just finish the one you started? It's been going on for like two years. And I, I, I think it's grossly unfair to the American people that all of this happened in 2016. We did have Russian disinformation from Hillary. That disinformation was used as the foundation bulk of information for FISA applications. We now have three people that signed them, Sally Yates, Jim Comey, Rod Rosenstein, saying, oh, yeah, knowing what we know now, we'd never sign them. And yet, you know, Kleinsmith is the only person that's made a plea deal and nobody's been indicted. Well, COVID, it doesn't stop them. I know a lot of courts are open doing business and they're just doing it on Zoom. Not that I'm a big Zoom caller person, but they're doing them. And, you know, now this, you know, it's it's sort of like the big tech companies deciding on or Joe Biden just declaring and then having it echoed by the mob, the media. And if they ever had any credibility, it's long gone in my mind. You know, there's no serious person has ever said there's any evidence of any wrongdoing with Burisma or leveraging a billion dollars. And you got six hours and a vice president demanding the firing of a prosecutor. And, you know, look at the treatment of the Grassley and, and Senator Johnson reports. I mean, widespread influence, widespread influence all across the board. Anyway, 800-941-SEAN is our toll-free number. Insider Advantage, uh, that's our friend Matt Towery, Fox 5 out of Atlanta, just breaking. And you've got a one-point race in uh, Georgia, Purdue 49, Ossoff 48, Loeffler 49, Warnock 48. Same exact numbers. Both races are dead heats with a margin of, of error. Um, that, that's a little scary if it's that close. Uh, anyway, I hope the people of Georgia, we do need you desperately. By the way, the Senate has finally had enough. A little late, but they finally had enough. Anyway, so now with the big tech and the Democrats wanting to ignore everything as much as possible, Epic Times reporting the Senate will hold a hearing next week on irregularities that took place during the 2020 election. And the fact remains, you know, I, I just go back to what the Supreme Court Justice 
the chief judge in the Supreme Court of Wisconsin, said a significant portion of the public does not believe that the presidential election was fairly conducted. That's 83 percent, according to Gallup, of Republican voters. That's 30 percent of independents and and even 20 percent almost of Democrats. And, you know, when you see witness after witness that signs an affidavit under the penalty of perjury, we once praised whistleblowers and we ignore them. Well, the mob ignores them. The media ignores them. But anyway, he goes on to say it was fairly conducted. Once again, four justices, he's excoriating his fellow Wisconsin Supreme Court justices. Four justices, again on this court, can't be bothered with addressing what the statutes require to assure that absentee ballots are lawfully cast. The chief justice continues. Four members of this court throw the cloak over numerous problems that will be repeated again and again until... This court has the courage to correct them. Basically, if you're not courageous, you're kind of cowardly. That's how I would interpret that, right? That is a bold statement for the chief justice of the Wisconsin Supreme Court. I know the mob won't tell you about this. I read this and my mouth was wide open. I mean, I, I spent we spent probably the most amount of time on the lawsuits and the, and the efforts in Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Michigan... Georgia and Nevada. And, you know, I, I always believed that everything would would probably have to be resolved in a legal and constitutional way. The Pennsylvania case was so strong. We're actually going to talk to Sean Parnell later, who, who challenged Connor Lamb in Pennsylvania, Allegheny County and what happened in Pennsylvania. And because if you if you follow the law. And the Constitution of the United States, it is the state legislatures that decide these things. In Wisconsin, they don't allow early voting. And then, you know, you you hear the story, 200,000 early votes cast because they're moving into parks, setting up early voting centers and saying, telling people what to say that they can circumvent what the law of Wisconsin is. That's pretty damning. Or in Pennsylvania, you know, Act 70 which we have gone into great specificity and detail about, bypasses the U.S. Constitution, number one, which is the state legislatures. Well, ultimately they decide, but the problem with, with Pennsylvania is they have, they have their own state constitution and it violates the actual wording in that, con- in that constitution. That, that's a legal, that is a constitutional principle, both at strong cases. Another dissenting justice in Wisconsin. Every single voter in this state is harmed when a vote is cast in contravention of the statutes. That same dissenting justice in Wisconsin. Doomed to create, this ruling is doomed to create chaos, uncertainty, and undermine confidence and spawn needless litigation. This is not the rule of law. This is what a justice on the Wisconsin Supreme Court is saying to a fellow justice. It is the rule of judicial activism through inaction. Now, the mob, the media, they're not going to care because they got the results that they wanted. You know, nothing that means nothing to the media. And and this is the great irony because they're the same people that for three years were pushing conspiracy theories and a hoax day after day, hour after hour, minute after minute. 
breathlessly, hysterically reporting the latest Trump-Russia collusion news. He had four separate investigations that put that to rest. Did they ever revise and extend their remarks, take back what they said, correct the record, put a correction? We got this wrong, this wrong, this wrong, this wrong. No. They don't care. This is the informational crisis that I tell you. There was no Trump-Russia collusion at all, ever. There was the Hillary dirty Russian disinformation dossier. There was premeditated fraud on the FISA court. How do you just get to say before a Senate committee, yeah, I, I wouldn't sign it knowing what I know now. You're supposed to know it then before you present it to the court. And the law also mandates that if you discover at some point in your FISA application that you put in false information, you are to advise the court immediately. That never happened as well. You know, it's, it's, you know, you think of the 99%, it is a mob mentality. And, you know, the idea that you're not going to ever vet Barack Obama running for president. They didn't talk about Alinsky and Acorn and community organizing and black liberation theology and the Reverend Wright and Ayers and Dorn and Weather Underground, none of that. What did Biden, what tough questions did Biden ever have to answer in the lead up to election day? He didn't. He just had to hide in the basement. The media covered for him. I call it the the candidate protection program. Add to the mob, which just hates all things Donald Trump, then you add big tech. Nobody censored their Trump-Russia collusion conspiracy theories. They weren't taken down off Twitter. They weren't taken off Facebook. They weren't taken off Instagram. You don't want to know why Rumble or Parler or any of these competing companies are doing well is because they're not censoring people. But they did in the lead up to this election. Did Twitter, Facebook ever censor any of the unproven, unverified, unverifiable Russian disinformation or the dirty Russian disinformation dossier bought and paid for by Hillary? Never. It was three years they never censored a single thing. You know, so it's, it's, these are powerful institutional forces, I'm just telling you. And when everything is just, once it becomes as transparent as anything can be, they just move on to the Ukrainian witch hunt with one hearsay, anonymous, non-whistleblower, whistleblower. But yet all the whistleblowers, they're called witnesses, one after another, you know, that, that spoke out on what they saw, their personal experience in Michigan, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, Georgia. Arizona and Nevada. They're just ignored. They weren't called courageous, patriotic champions that need our deep respect. You know, it's, you know, the quid and the pro and the quo with Ukraine. They just ignored the Biden videotape, ignored Hunter's zero experience, ignored the Grassley and, and Johnson investigation completely. I mean, it's 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 almost hard to absorb because it's like an alternative reality. And they think we're nuts and they just hate us. You know, as Donnie Deutsch says, we just suck or we're smelly Walmart Trump supporting shoppers or maybe we have reports. to get to a point that maybe there are 50 million jerks in this country. Jerks maybe that's the suck. sad truth. And how do we manage that? Because Joe Biden is doing everything right. Everything. Joe Biden is doing everything right. 
I, I can't even see that he does anything to be Come on, honest man. with you. Come on, man. You a junkie, man. Tony Bobolinsky Come comes forward. Damning evidence of the Biden foreign family corruption syndicate. Pay for play schemes. He validates it all with documents and emails and an extensive report from Senators Johnson and Grassley. Found millions of dollars in payouts. Foreign oligarchs, Kazakhstan, Ukraine, Russia, Chinese nationals. On top of all the other experience. Now, he, now, oh, all of a sudden, no, there's no truth to any of this. Nothing, nothing, nothing. Uh-oh. He's being really, there's a real investigation. Hell, we didn't know that was going on. It would have been nice if we knew that before the election. Real journalists, if the last name was Trump, Don Jr., Eric Trump, Ivanka Trump, their spouses, Baron Trump, Tiffany Trump, they would have been all over them. They just punted on the story. We're not going to run that story. And Project Veritas, James O'Keefe did the undercover fake news CNN video. And then you got their full-time psycho stalkers. All they do is attack Fox News and yours truly. Day in and day out, I have no problem being independent from these people. I can proudly state in 25 years, I've never been to a Washington Correspondence Dinner. I'd rather be shot, honestly. You know, they hate me, and I don't care. I really don't give them a second thought, to be very blunt with you. They push the Russia hoax. And my only question is, these Russia collusion truthers of three years only question I have, and maybe it's a dumb question. Do they really believe it or that the ends justify the means? Or do they just lie because, I mean, just because because they just hate somebody else and are blinded by rage? Because they were wrong on Russia for three years, wrong on Ukraine for a year, wrong on Kavanaugh. Look at how wrong they were on poor Nicholas Sandman. I watched over the weekend, I watched the Richard Jewell movie that Clint Eastwood put out. I, I actually lived that story. Learned a valuable lesson. And it goes through this whole scenario. Fits the profile of the lone bomber. I happened to be on the air. I had no idea at the time Richard Jewell was listening to me. Found out much later. And I said, just because he lives with his mom does not make him a domestic terrorist. I didn't know it at the time, but I was the only one that Gave him the benefit of the doubt. Taught me such a valuable, you want to know why we're right on Duke, lacrosse, UVA, Ferguson, Baltimore, Cambridge, why we were right on Russia, why we were right in vetting Obama, why we're right in calling out the media, not vetting Biden. I learned a valuable lesson there. Served me well for my career, and that's when I say I'm independent, I just go my own way. I don't, I don't even watch these shows. I can't stand watching the most of them. Terrible. Just horrible. You know, and then somebody will say, sweet baby James or somebody on my team will say, well, they're attacking you again. I'm like, okay, what is it, Monday or Tuesday? Um, I'm not in the Christmas spirit yet. I don't feel it. Hopefully soon. Hour two, Sean Hannity Show, 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of this extravaganza? You know, I'm just, I'm just amazed, and we, we've been playing the montages of, of the media telling you that, uh, oh, there's nothing to the Hunter Biden story, nothing whatsoever to do with Hunter Biden. No, 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 no evidence whatsoever. 
Yeah, this is terrible. The New York Post printed this story from an actual laptop that was belonged to Hunter Biden. And yeah, the stuff that's on there is way worse than even the stuff that we know. And yeah, we'll ignore the picture of Hunter sleeping with a crack pipe in his mouth. And we'll also ignore the new developments in the Senator Grassley, Ron Johnson reports that detail that the monies that were made by the Biden foreign family syndicate go way deeper than just Burisma, a billion taxpayer dollars leveraged uh, to fire a Ukrainian prosecutor while VP. I said, I'm not going to we're not going to give you the billion dollars. They said, you have no authority. You're not the president. The president said, I said, call him. <laughs> I said, I'm telling you, you're not getting a billion dollars. I said, you're not getting a billion. I'm going to be leaving here. And I think it was, what, six hours. I looked, I said, I'm leaving in six hours. If the prosecutor's not fired, you're not getting the money. Oh, son of a <laughs> got fired. Or the Bank of China billion dollar deal becomes a $1.5 billion deal. And now we've got Kazakh. Uh, oligarchs and Russian oligarchs, the first lady of Moscow with wire transfers, in that case, three and a half million dollars. Then you take it a step further. Then we got shopping sprees with Chinese nationals. But we'll act like none of this matters. Oh, well, now that there's an investigation and the election's over, okay, we can talk about it a little bit, but we'll downplay it as much as we possibly can because the last name isn't Trump. That's the sick, twisted, ugly world of hypocrisy we all now live in. Um, Peter Schweitzer got all of this started in January of 2018 with the release of Secret Empires. We we are proud to to say we did the first radio and TV interview with him. Uh, John Solomon is editor in chief of JustTheNews.com, and he put out an article just this morning, the newly released memo showing uh, U.S. diplomat revealed the DOJ assisted the earlier effort to pursue. Burisma Holdings chief and Vice President Biden's office was warned in 2015 that the Obama State Department believed the Ukrainian gas oligarch that hired Hunter Biden, Mr. Zero Experience, was in fact corrupt and that some of the evidence supporting that uh, uh, conclusion had been gathered by the Justice Department, which is, well, why didn't we learn about that before the election? I still want to know, get an answer from Durham. Why didn't we learn what happened in the 2016 election before the 2020 election? That might have been helpful to voters. Anyway, Peter Schweitzer, author of Secret Empires, is uh, with us. Uh, we have the book on Hannity.com. John Solomon is editor-in-chief of JustTheNews.com, uh, which is doing gangbusters well. Let me go to Peter Schweitzer first, because you outlined all of this. It's bigger. It's deeper. You were more right in January of 2018 than I think any of us knew. And you like this voice in the wilderness. You're like John the Baptist eating locusts out in the wilderness, uh, wearing a loincloth. And you're like crying out in the wilderness saying, uh, are you not looking at this? And everything that you, you reported back then has been vindicated, and it's even worse. Uh, you're exactly right, Sean, in that um, there were early murmurs that um, Hunter Biden was doing these deals. Uh, we exposed it. Uh, John's article this morning, I think, is very important. Uh, another uh, great story to add to his collection um, that there were there were warning signs from the beginning. Um, you know, Hunter Biden was not uh, going to the United Kingdom or Japan uh, and doing deals with legitimate companies. He was doing deals with foreign governments and with sketchy, sketchy oligarchs. 
that should set off warning flags immediately, uh, not only to our Department of Justice, not only to Joe Biden himself as to, you know, who is my family associating with, uh, but also should set off warning bells to the media. Now, of course, uh, Joe Biden didn't do anything about these deals because I would argue that he sanctioned these deals. This has been the Biden family business model from the beginning. Uh, when he was a senator, uh, the family was doing deals with, you know, sketchy online gambling uh, entities uh, located offshore in Europe. Uh, when he becomes vice president, his son starts doing deals with the Chinese government, with Romanian oligarchs, with Ukrainian oligarchs, with Kazakh oligarchs. Uh, and Joe Biden not only doesn't stop his son from doing it, which he could have easily done, uh, it's pretty clear to me now that he has benefited um, from it, uh, that the manner in which the Biden family operates is that Hunter Biden uh, collects the money, uh, is the recipient of that money, and that money is shared within the family. And some of the emails that have come out from the laptop indicate Hunter Biden basically complaining about the fact that he's having to pay all these bills and cover all these expenses for the Biden family. Uh, that's because that's how the model works and how the Bidens operate. Um, and to me, it is um, absolutely outrageous, the misconduct by the media in ignoring the story, pretending it didn't happen, pretending that we shouldn't follow the money in this case when we try to follow the money everywhere else, and we now face a situation where, you know, we have a Joe Biden presidency coming in January. We are going to have a presidency that is hobbled by scandal uh, involving his family and involving Joe Biden himself. You know, I've, I've gone through this and all I say is if the standard applied to the impeachment of Donald Trump with Ukraine were ever applied to Joe and Hunter Biden, the Democrats, they would impeach him on day one. Uh, John Solomon, uh, let me ask about your column today, because, I mean, having a warning, Biden's office directly in 2015. Now, we have had reports of other warnings that were there that were missed or just dismissed. And and these were significant and serious warnings. And and we've gone over all the details of all of that, including Colonel Vindman, who, you know, we know from the impeachment fame uh, that the Ukrainian oligarch who hired Hunter was deemed corrupt. Yeah, absolutely. Listen, we now know for certain that senior leaders in Vice President Joe Biden's office knew in December 2015 that the man who had hired Hunter Biden was deemed corrupt and that the Justice Department provided some of the evidence that proved that corruption. Now, he goes to Ukraine and he goes with talking points where he's just not going to talk about Zotesky. After he gets this warning... The advice is just don't talk about Zotesky. Don't call him corrupt, even though the Ukrainian people think he's corrupt. Just sidestep the issue. It's willful blindness. And this email shows exactly what Joe Biden knew and when he knew it. And everything he has said since then, during the 2020 debates in 2018, he has not given us a full account. We have not gotten the truth from Joe Biden. He had to know his son was in business with a bad guy because his staff, his chief diplomat, they all knew and they were warning him. When people get that level of warning, John Kerry's State Department knew and everybody else knew. And everyone, why would they just turn a blind eye to this? Why didn't somebody say, you know, this isn't really, you know, this is, I, I think at one point, correct me if I'm wrong, Peter, uh, Joe Biden was told his son had no experience in this. And then he, the, the outrageous claim that he knew nothing about his son's businesses when, in fact, now we know the opposite is true. Yeah, that's right, uh, Sean. Um, look, uh, people ask me all the time, why would the Bidens? 
uh, get in business um, with a foreign government and with oligarchs. And um, I, I think it's a combination of things. I think, number one, um, you know, you get people that are in political life for a long time uh, and they feel somehow, somehow that they're entitled to cut corners. I think that's part of it. Maybe the other part of it, though, Sean, is, is hubris. I mean, they've been doing this for decades, um, and it really came to fruition once he became vice president with the deals in Ukraine and with China. They've never been held into account, um, and Joe Biden has not had a standard within the family that says, look, here is how we're going to operate as a prominent political family. There are some families in politics that do that on both sides of the aisle. Uh, the Bidens are not one of them. One of them. So, you know, look, the, the initial Biden position was that Hunter was a minor player overseas. Then when it was revealed that he wasn't a minor player, it involves millions of dollars, board of directors of Chinese investment firms, equity stakes. Then the fallback position became, uh, well, um, Joe didn't know about it. This is Hunter's deal. Uh, well, now we know that that's not true. Uh, we know that, that Joe Biden knew about this. Um, and, and I would argue was actively complicit in it because he never called out his son. And indeed, he met with his business associates. He encouraged it on and he benefited from it. And the real question is, Sean, if we have a U.S. Senate that is Republican majority, and that's going to hinge on Georgia, the U.S. Senate needs to press ahead on this. But we also need an independent counsel, because if we have a Biden administration, the U.S. attorney looking into this in Delaware, the other U.S. attorney looking into this in Pittsburgh can be replaced from the, by the Department of Justice. Uh, and then this thing can be effectively killed. You know, I mean, this is the thing. Now the question is, if the standards applied to Trump impeachment in Ukraine, John Solomon, is applied to Joe and zero experience Hunter, uh, well, I guess Democrats are going to be very outspoken. I would expect Adam Schiff, Adam Swalwell, um, I'd expect Jerry Nadler all to be all over this because they they certainly people that are consistent in principle and, and their application of standards, right? Well, listen, we can go back in history. The Democrats made enormous hay when Neil Bush served on the board of an SNL that had problems. The vice president's son sat on a board of a foreign company that our government tried to pursue as corrupt, knew was corrupt. And here's something that we forget. In the middle of this warning, between this warning that the uh, that Pyatt, the ambassador, gave to Joe Biden's office, two reports came in, one before the warning, one after the reporting, that Burisma According to our State Department, uh, 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 Pyatt's own deputy said bribes were being paid while Hunter Biden was on the board. If that shouldn't get Democrats interested, nothing can. It's a double standard. If you're concerned about Neil Bush, if you're concerned about the Bush and uh, the uh, Trump investments, they made all that hay, they have to be equally concerned about this, and they've just turned a blind eye to it. Well, they have. All right, so now the question is where from here? Um, I guess the Senate is probably going to have the, these two Senate seats in Georgia going to play a very pivotal role of whether or not this all dies or whether the investigations continue. Peter Schweitzer. Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, right now it's razor thin. It's been in the U.S. Senate. And we have to give a lot of credit to Senators Ron Johnson um, and, and Chuck Grassley from uh, Iowa because they took this issue on. And, Sean, this was not a popular issue on Capitol Hill, in part because there's this sort of sense of Senate decorum and Joe Biden was a Senate. The other part of it, though, is, frankly, you've got senators who want kind of these same deals for their families uh, if the opportunity arises. So they took this on. They deserve enormous credit for advancing uh, the information that we have. 
That will go away. If we lose these two Senate seats in Georgia, we're at 50-50. Kamala Harris will split the vote. There is no way on earth they will investigate it. So that is key, and also at the Department of Justice. This is what holding public officials accountable should look like, and it's all going to hinge on Capitol Hill into what happens in Georgia um, in the special election. Yeah, a lot there. Now, what is it with, uh, if we can update Durham and the prosecutors that he's now hiring, John Solomon? I mean, we spent the better part of three years exposing all of all of the garbage that went on there. There's not been accountability. I think one of the stress points with the attorney general and the president came over, A, Durham not getting anything done in an extraordinarily long period of time. B, the Hunter investigation ongoing. The public wasn't told a word about it before the election. Um, you know, not solving or resolving issues involving 2016 and then having a 2020 election is un- I, I, it's I, it's inexplicable beyond words to me. It is. But there, as I said all along, all through the summer and fall, I have seen signs of a very active criminal investigation by Durham. All right. Now, no results except for one plea deal. But I've seen a lot of evidence that go- goes towards building a large case grand jury activity, witnesses, negotiations, court battles in secret over access to witnesses. The guys who don't want this story to come out are fighting this in the court, in the secret court system, and we just have to let that process play out. I remain extremely confident that what I said six, eight months ago will remain true, that at some point soon we will see a few more indictments or criminal charges. I believe that's where Durham is headed. It is frustrating, but part of the frustration is the people who don't want this story coming out are doing everything they can to slow it down. And uh, it really, you know, the clock is running out. You're right. In the Biden Justice Department, the motive won't be here to keep looking at this. So maybe the next six weeks are really important weeks for the American public to find out what happened. All right. Thank you, Peter Schweitzer. Thank you, John Solomon. Great work, both of you. Uh, We really appreciate all the digging that you've done. This is not easy work. It takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of fact-checking. It takes a lot of background. And it takes just, you know, good old-fashioned uh, hard work to get to the answers, and very few people are willing to put the effort in as you guys have. Thank you both. All right, 25 till the top of the hour, 800-941-SEAN, our toll-free number. You want to be a part of this extravaganza. I want to go back to these court cases, and remember, we were focused on really four particular states, really five if you include Nevada. And one of the things I said early on was, I'm telling you, this Wisconsin case is real. I said the Pennsylvania case was real. And what's happened in Georgia with signature verification, those were real issues. And they are real issues. And by the way, none of them have been resolved. Um, and as as others have done other great work looking at other aspects of, you know, what we learned in the election, that laws weren't followed, that observers were not allowed to observe, uh, questions about the choice of voting machines. I mean, there's there literally is this has been an eye opening moment for the country. And if we don't get it right, you don't really have a country if you don't have free and fair elections with integrity and that people have confidence in. And those that would dismiss all of this as, oh, these are a bunch of conservative Trump supporters. You know what? They're horrible people. Well, they just suck, as Donnie Deutsch says. Um now, it's a little rich coming from the people that fed us the Russia collusion hoax and lies for three plus years. I love playing the old sots of that and the old sound of that. And I was not wrong in my analysis, I don't believe, of either Georgia in particular, Pennsylvania and Wisconsin. And I don't think I was wrong, frankly, in my analysis of Nevada or Michigan either. And um, 
where we are today. So finally, the Supreme Court takes up in Wisconsin the case that was brought there. And remember, Reince Priebus, he told me very early on, but there was a timing issue in terms of certain things had to happen before that case could be brought before the Supreme Court there. And they had to go to the lower court first. And that's when the, the chief justice of the Wisconsin Supreme Court had said, you know, don't don't in any way let this be that interpreted as this is a weak case. Uh, we don't feel that way at all. But this is the way the process works, more of a procedural issue. And so they come back with a with a four, three decision, split decision in the Supreme Court and the chief justice writing a powerful dissent. In the dissent, a significant portion of the public does not believe the presidential election was fairly conducted. Once again, four justices on this court, now he's speaking for the three, the minority, cannot be bothered. This is what he's saying about his fellow justices. This is, in judicial terms, a beatdown. Cannot be bothered with addressing what the statutes require to assure that absentee ballots are lawfully cast. Because they don't allow for absentee or early voting in Wisconsin. But yet in Milwaukee and other areas, they went out of their way and into parks to basically say, well, just sign here like you are you're confined to your house and you need to vote absentee. That's not what the law requires. As a matter of fact, just the opposite. And then the chief justice continues, four members of this court throw the cloak over numerous problems that will be repeated again and again until this court has the courage to correct them. What have I always said? It's got to be about the law. And it's got to be about the Constitution. And then another dissenting justice remarks, every single voter in this state is harmed when a vote is cast in contravention of these statutes. And then writes, the ruling do, is doomed to create chaos, uncertainty, undermine confidence, and spawn needless litigation. This is not the rule of law. It's the rule of judicial activism through inaction. Now, that case was one of the strongest, the dissent, one of the strongest that I've read. In Pennsylvania, they just dismissed it without even looking at the merits of it, because that then becomes a constitutional issue on two levels, because our Constitution, the U.S. Constitution, well, mandates that legislatures uh, make the laws surrounding elections. The state of Pennsylvania has their own constitution, and that constitution, they do not allow for all this early voting. Now, people want to change it. They can change it. And the way they would change things is they would go through the process of a state constitutional amendment, and they could do that. Um, Anyway, so, you know, that case has got kicked back, but you know what? People are not just standing back and taking it. Sean Parnell, Army combat vet, great American. He's been on this program before challenging the Democratic representative Connor Lamb in Pennsylvania uh, with new information. Uh, He and Mike Kelly, who was on the program last week, have written a petition to the Supreme Court uh, and a request that the Supreme Court orders a lower court to send up the record of the case to be reviewed, uh, the one that in one sentence the Supreme Court had dismissed. Sean Parnell, glad to have you back. Hey, Sean, thanks for having me. I appreciate you shining the spotlight on this case because it's important. You know, tell me, so uh, tell me the status case. of this now. Yeah, well, Act 77, first of all, for your listeners, is, is the most radical change uh, in Pennsylvania elections in the history of our Commonwealth. Uh, it, it was passed in October 2019, so it was passed pre-pandemic. 
And it was essentially foisted upon the people of this great state uh, without their say, because, as you mentioned, it requires a constitutional amendment to our state constitution in order to change the time, place and manner of elections. And that was not done. In order to do that, it required a back-to-back vote in the General Assembly. That wasn't done. Needed to be advertised in two separate newspapers in every county in the state for three straight months. That wasn't done. And the most important part about Act 77 and whether or not we want all mail-in ballot electoral systems is it was supposed to go on the ballot in a referendum so that the people could have a say in how our elections were done. None of that was done. And so our case is built on 200 years of constitutional history and PA Supreme Court case law, along with United States Supreme Court case law, that supports our position. And we went to I mean, first. We went to three. We went to three ca- uh, courts uh, with this case. The first one was in the Commonwealth Court of Pennsylvania, and the judge in the Commonwealth Court, Sean, said, "Hey, look, this is a constitutional crisis. If you proceed on the merits, then the plaintiffs, us, Mike Kelly, and I, are likely to succeed because we are right." And then we got to the Pennsylvania Supreme Court, and it's important for your listeners to uh, to understand this. The Pennsylvania Supreme Court is a 5-2 Democrat supermajority. Three of the justices were were our radical Democrats that won in 2015 with the backing of George Soros here in Pennsylvania. They dismissed our case with prejudice on legal doctrine called latches, essentially saying that we brought the case too late. But here's the thing with that, Sean. A hundred years of PA Supreme Court case law, the PA Supreme Court has held that candidates cannot challenge an election prior to the election being conducted because we wouldn't have standing. So we couldn't have brought it before. They would have dismissed us. Couldn't brought they, The PA Supreme Court ruled that we couldn't bring it after. And then they dismissed the case with prejudice and basically said, you, Sean, and Mike Kelly, you're the only two people in this Commonwealth that can nev- never challenge the constitutionality of Act 77 again. Well, that's, that's an egregious ruling both for the people of this state uh, and, and I think legally so we appealed to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court dismissed our temporary injunction or our emergency injunction, but that's the only thing that they, they dismissed. So what, we, what Mike and I have done is petition the Supreme Court to take our case on the merits in what's called a petition of certiorari, which was submitted on Friday. And, and again, we believe that the Supreme Court should take this case up. We believe that they should rule on the merits, because at the end of the day, 75 million people in this country don't trust the outcome of this election. Over 50% of the people in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania don't trust the way this election was done. And, and basically what Mike and I are doing, Sean, is exactly how our system is intended to work, right? We, something unconstitutional and unlawful happened, and we're seeking remedy with, through the court system. Now we're at the Supreme Court. And you can bet if the situation were reversed and Donald Trump won, and there were this many questions about this election, the left wouldn't be seeking action in the courts. They'd be burning our cities to the ground. So I think that the Supreme Court has a role. I would never pretend to tell them what their role is. I mean, nine justices on the Supreme Court, they, they know the law better than I do, and I respect whatever judgment that they issue. But I think that they have a duty and responsibility to provide some level of clarity to the people in this country so we can move forward trusting the elections in this country. You know, it's such a powerful thing, this Act 70 I mean, in direct contradiction of the of the Pennsylvania uh, Constitution, there's not any ambiguity here. We've been over this None. again and again. And I, and I think that the ruling in Wisconsin is applicable here. And in, in as much as, you know, they're throwing a, a cloak over the, the pro- numerous problems and it's going to be repeated 
until a court has the courage to stand up for the rule of law and the Constitution, which are the two things that I've said. Now, if we're ever going to have a free, fair election that people are going to have confidence in and there be integrity to the system, like most states, not there's only a few of them that we're worried about here. Then, well, that's right. And look, the governor of Pennsylvania, the attorney general of Pennsylvania, the secretary of state of Pennsylvania, they have been relentlessly attacking Mike and I, along with a radical left wing base, saying that we're threatening to disenfranchise 2.5 million voters who mailed in their ballots. Well, I say, on the contrary, you are using the very victims of your unconstitutional behavior as a shield. Because at the end of the day, Act 77 was passed unconstitutionally by a legislature by a governor who signed and implemented into, implemented into a law by attorney general in the state of Pennsylvania who failed to opine in its constitutionality at the time of its passing, and secretary of state who manipulated that law by removing signature verification, postmark requirements, any semblance of a deadline. They, made, they basically made election day into an election week. So my, who is responsible for disenfranchising the voters of the state of Pennsylvania? It's our entire Commonwealth government. They're all at fault. And we are fighting like hell to make sure it never happens again so that not only people can have a warm and fuzzy about the 2020 election, but every election moving forward as well. All right, quick break. More with Sean Parnell uh, on the Pennsylvania suit that they pushed back to the Supreme Court. Listen, a lot of us, all right, well, next week is Christmas week, believe it or not, right? I mean, oof, where did that go? As we continue, Sean Parnell, Army combat vet, challenged uh, Democrat Connor Lamb in Pennsylvania, updating us on their latest effort before the Supreme Court. I think the one state that proved to all of us that things can be rectified and fixed is the state of Florida, because we saw the mess in 2016 down there in in Broward and and Palm Beach counties, and Governor DeSantis fixed all of it. And, And that was on the heels of the 2000 election. So it can be rectified and it can be done. And I think one of the things they're going to do, they have, listen, voter ID is mandatory. It's got to be mandatory. We're all wasting our time. That's number one. Number two, you know, signature verification's got to happen. Number three, um, don't use the the machines that the media um, and liberal Democrats and conservative Republicans all think are are all critical of. How about we find, if we're going to use machines, which frankly I'm against, like I'm against, you know, four months of voting beforehand, like I'm against finding ballots a month or five weeks after an election. Um, I think we've got to have a system that that we know we can clean the rolls in every state, get every dead person off, check every address. We can do that in the off years. These are not complicated issues. If we had a desire, we you know, this is America, Silicon Valley, Apple, Microsoft. We do. We have sent people to the moon and actually brought them home. I think we can do it. Yeah, well, we have to do it. And there's a, there's a law in Florida on the books that says every single early vote or no excuse absentee vote that was that was mailed in or submitted prior to Election Day has to be published by a certain time. Now, that didn't happen in Pennsylvania at all. And in my race specifically, on election night, Sean, Connor Lamb had no honest mathematical path. Any way you cut it, we were up 17 points on Election Day. Like, we were going to have a 13,273-vote victory. We knew exactly, because we know, and this is important, this is not a projection, we knew exactly how many mail-in ballots were left to be counted. Democrat, Republican. How many were left to be counted with your 17-point lead on Election Night? Well, I'll tell you this, that any way that those ballots fell, we knew that we'd have a 13,000-vote lead until late at night, 
the day after Election Day, there were two separate ballot dumps, one of 4,000 votes, one of 9,000 votes, which, interestingly enough, equals 13,000, which is exactly what my margin was supposed to be. 25 minutes after that, Connor Lamb scampered out to the podium and declared victory with 25,000 provisional ballots left to count. And I thought, my God, how, how, are, you, how are you declaring victory with 25,000 provisionals? You don't know if they're going to be Democrat, Republican, or whatever, unless you know something that I don't. And clearly, look, we've been asking Allegheny County. And by the way, the state of Pennsylvania for, for President Trump was lost in Allegheny County. But Joe Biden, a person who never left his freaking basement, got the second highest vote total in Allegheny County ever, second only to Lyndon B. Johnson in 1964. And oh, by the way, in 1964, Allegheny County was 30 percent more populous than it is right now. So explain that one to me. But we've been asking Allegheny County for five weeks, where did these 13,000 mail-in ballots with no chain of custody whatsoever, where did they come from? And we just got a response a couple days ago, Sean. You want to know what it was? Well, you had a guy there that signed out at seven and you weren't there until the tallying was done. Well, that's like a police officer saying to a shoplifter, hey, sir, did you steal those groceries? And the shoplifter saying, well, the cashier was off. There, it is this, this system. I never thought in my life that elections in this country would be more corrupt than elections in Afghanistan. But by God, Sean, I'm telling you, I protected an election in 2006 in Afghanistan. What we experienced in 2020 was a travesty for the people of this country. And we have to fix it going forward. And we have to fight now. Because if we don't fight now, there's not going to be a fight to, ha- to be had later. That is one of the most powerful statements I've heard from anybody that we've interviewed. And by the way, there were a lot of powerful statements from a lot of real whistleblowers and witnesses. Um, Sean Parnell, you're a great American. Thank you, my friend. This can't happen anymore. We better fix it. And chain in custody. I forgot that. That's on my list, too. All right, News Roundup Information Overload Hour, 800-941-SEAN is our number. You want to be a part of the program. You know, it's amazing to watch the mob, the media, the disconnect. And at times I, I kind of wonder to myself, scratch my wooden conservative head, and I say, well, are they really this full of hypocrisy or have they convinced themselves that they are these great champions of all things truth and fairness and balance and objectivity and that they really believe that they're journalists? Because I kind of look at the media, the reason I call them a mob, because they have a mob mindset. You know, they all tweet each other. They're all friends with each other. They all hang out with each other. They they all want to outdo each other in terms of their pure, utter, psychotic hatred of all things Donald Trump and 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 hating on the people that suck, as Donnie Deutsch says, that, you know, shop at Walmart and voted for Donald Trump uh, and smell and irredeemable deplorables and everything else that, we, that people have been called if you don't agree with them. Anyway, so we've reported a lot about this, and they never accepted the results of 2016 ever. The the Russian hoax, conspiracy, Trump-Russia collusion truthers that have been out there, they never apologized. They never got it right. They never said we were wrong. They never said guys like Hannity and a few others were right, which they would never do. Um. And it just, it, to me, it just is what it is. They are who they are. It's really that simple. You know, I'll give you an example. Like, to get lectured on accepting the results of the 2020 election when you're looking at real whistleblowers, because I, li- I thought they liked whistleblowers. They certainly like the one anonymous hearsay non-whistleblower in the Ukraine impeachment hoax. You know, and, and they went for years reporting false story after false story about Trump-Russia collusion. For example, I'll play it. 
The sort of dossier of alleged dirt that the Russians allegedly say they allegedly have on Donald Trump. Alleged dirt that they allegedly use to allegedly cultivate him is basically a Russian asset. You get the person's phone records. Here they see these calls to the block number. Uh, and now there seems to be good evidence that that was probably President Trump. Michael Cohen claims that then-candidate Donald Trump knew in advance about the June 2016 meeting in Trump Tower. We begin uh, with a new report that Paul Manafort, the president's former campaign chairman, paid secret visits, multiple ones, to Julian Assange at the Ecuadorian embassy in London. This is according to The Guardian. And they'd come on day after day, night after night, and breathlessly, hysterically report all this. You know, you got full-time Fox stalker, and hall monitor, as we call him, Humpty Dumpty over at Fake News CNN, who takes his orders. He's the stenographer for all things uh, Mr. Potato Head, who apparently is leaving the network, you know, attacking Fox News for actually covering the Hunter Biden story, which they told us was false before the election. But now they're recognizing, well, might be something to this. The lead story was Hunter Biden, Joe Biden's son. The lead, of course, means they think the most important story was Hunter Biden. So, yes, the investigation is important. We've been chasing it. But so is proportionality, or what journalists call old-fashioned news judgment. Now, this new information about a federal investigation is totally different. Evidently, it's been going on for years. But dishonest folks on Fox are conflating the two things and pretending like the media is covering for Biden. To be really honest, this is how it's going to be for the next four years. I can guarantee it. This is CNN. Fake news. He says they're chasing the story. No, they said it didn't happen to protect Joe in the bunker. You know, let's give one other example, then we'll go to our guest. The media mocking the president's promise that a COVID vaccine would be ready uh, by October and November. He was right. They were wrong again. Listen, we'll have a vaccine by the end of this year. Is that possible in your view? Oh, Brian, you know, it's another day of uh, POTUS in Wonderland here. Uh, it is preposterous to make that statement. That's an ambitious timeline, and many health experts aren't so sure it's achievable. A coronavirus vaccine, Trump says it could come out this year, this sort of, you know, happy talk that he's doing about a vaccine. Um, experts say he'd be in need a miracle to be right. Here's the thing, you cannot talk yourself into a vaccine. The fastest a vaccine has ever been produced from start to finish is five years. Well, they got it done, where's the praise? Anyway, uh, Joe Concha, Fox News contributor, columnist for The Hill, Miranda Devine, New York uh, Post columnist, uh, both have done uh, amazingly well. They all dismissed, Miranda, your newspaper's coverage of, of zero experience Hunter, including the picture of him sleeping with a crack cocaine pipe in his mouth. Yes, I mean, they basically actively suppressed it before the election until their man was elected. And uh, now, of course, their curiosity comes out of the woodwork, um, but too little, too late. Uh, same same story with big tech, which um, censored uh, our story, refused to allow us to disseminate it, um, and choked off the one of the major information pipelines that Americans have 
to get their news, and we know that that had a huge impact on um, on voting patterns because there's a poll recently that showed that almost half of Joe Biden voters didn't know anything about the Hunter Biden laptop scandal, which implicated Joe Biden in his family's influence peddling scheme overseas. And what's more, 10% of those voters, almost 9.4%, if they had known about the laptop story, they would have changed their vote. So it had an impact in those battleground states particularly. You know, Joe, as we look at the big tech censorship, do you recall they ever they ever censored anybody uh, that was pushing what turned out to be the the Russia Trump Russia conspiracy theory hoax the 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 Russia conspiracy truthers out there? The number of times, let's see, it's a number that you get when you multiply any number by zero. No, <laughs> it's never. Yeah, happened. exactly. Right, and you played uh, that that montage before of. All the things that were said over the last four years were based on, say, interviews after uh, talking to Adam Schiff, who said he had evidence that there was collusion between Trump and the campaign. Eric Swalwell, same thing. We're talking hundreds of interviews. I'm not exaggerating that number. On CNN and MSNBC alone, they pushed that lie, and they were never challenged on it. And then you have, say, a Michael Avenatti as well, uh, who obviously was talking about Brett Kavanaugh and gang rapes and everything. And all those things never fact-checks. They always take a vacation when those sort of allegations are made. So, yeah, uh, this one-two punch, Sean, was a one-two punch of uh, it was intentional for starters, and it was insidious as far as the first punch coming from traditional media, where they suppressed a story like Miranda's paper reported in the New York Post on Hunter Biden, and then the knockout blow from social media to make sure that that story is censored. And if you even share the content, you get locked out of your Twitter account. Uh, This is something that should concern every American as far as those two social social media and traditional media working hand-to-hand to push uh, a 78-year-old candidate over the finish line. Yeah, I mean, by the way, they, they, is Facebook Linda still censoring us? Yes. <laughs> yes. Okay, short answer. Uh, <laughs> Miranda Devine, I'm, you know, when you really look at it, it's like the biggest in-kind campaign donation you could ever imagine, and that <laughs> is they went all in. For all things Joe Biden, I call it the the candidate protection program. It's like the witness protection program. They not only they let him hide in the basement. They never asked him a tough question, and they spent the, all their time beating up Donald Trump just to help Joe out, and that nobody would pay attention to Joe. That's how I see this election. Well, it's as obvious as the nose on your face, Sean. Um, they did not subject. Joe Biden to the same scrutiny that they subject any other normal candidate, and particularly to Donald Trump and his family. Um, They are constantly hammered and scrutinized and maligned and defamed. Um, And yet for Joe Biden, you know, somebody uh, in the Wall Street Journal dared to say that uh, Jill Biden was not a real doctor because she's not. She's not a medical doctor. She has a a PhD doctorate in some education uh, field. And, um, and, And everyone came out of the woodwork crying sexism and defending her. What about the four years of vilification of Melania Trump and Ivanka Trump and any female associated with the Trump administration. Look at Kayleigh McEnany, how she gets abused every time she gets up on stage. So there is a double standard that is so hypocritical and so obvious and so disgusting. I don't understand how any self-respecting journalist can perpetuate it. And My, even my question, the- though, to you and Joe is this. 
do they know what they're doing or are they totally, I don't know, uh, cognitively so caught up in their rage and hatred of all things Trump that they don't even see it? I mean, I don't know which is worse. Oh, I could take that one. I'm raising my hand right now. I know we're on the radio. Uh, <laughs> okay, in the back. This this is performance art, right? These are people that probably got into journalism to be journalists, and now they realize that, okay, I'm going to break the number one rule, which is never make yourself the story. You know, there's the Me Too movement. Now there's the Look at Me Too movement. And what you're watching on, on, uh, on television a lot, particularly television, uh, is acting, right? And it's like Cinemax at 3 o'clock in the morning, bad acting, right? Uh, and I think they're just trying to sell their audience what they want to hear instead of what they should should hear, and it's all intentional, and they know what they're doing, and it's, it's kind of like a wink-wink probably on the side. Probably half of them don't even believe what they're saying, but they're doing it anyway. But let me paint you the picture of what the next four years is going to be like from what I call the marshmallow media, because they're going to go from being hostile to President Trump to hospitable to Joe Biden. Um, you're going to hear how Joe Biden let us out of the COVID crisis and how he bought this country back economically, you know, things that are happening now. And he's going to get the credit for it, just like Obama did coming out of the Great Recession that he let us out of there, and he bought the country back on track. And that's Excuse exactly me, it was the worst recovery since the 40s, Joe. I don't right. want to get facts get in the way of a good story here. We already have the vaccine. It's already being distributed. It's already going into people's arms. Oh, you know that, and I know that. <laughs> but that's the way it's going to be. Oh, I'll remind that. people every day if I have to. But in terms of President Trump, this is his signature achievement as far as this vaccine, same year. There were fact checks being done by places like NBC back in May where they were saying that experts say that there cannot be a vaccine this year. And it was done under the guise of a fact check, you know, fact checking the future. It's like saying, you know... Uh, in, April, in August. Like, I don't think the Cleveland Browns are going to make the playoffs this year. Fact check, not true. Experts say it can't happen. You can't fact check the future, Sean. No. Do you think it's conscious on their part, Miranda, or is it they, you know, forgive them, they know not what they do? Look, you have to understand that journalism is a tribal sport, um, and another way of saying that is that it's full of a lot of sheep, and they take their cue from the sort of elite uh, establishment media, which is New York Times, Washington Post, for instance, especially on politics stories. And unfortunately, those um, formerly elite, august and respected institutions have lost their way in the last decade or so. Um, and you can see the way that they have so dishonestly covered the Trump campaign, particularly winning Pulitzers for their Russia, Russia, Russia lies. Um, and that those they have not given those Pulitzers back. And so you can see in the way that they covered Joe Biden, the narrative that came from the top of these institutions was, we are protecting Joe Biden, we need to get rid of um, Donald Trump at all costs. And above them is big tech. Uh, there's Google, which, which rigs searches. So if you search, for instance, voter fraud on Google, all you get is uh, fact, uh, you know, dubious fact-checking, bogus fact-checking, telling you there was no voter fraud in the 2020 election. Uh, if you vote, if you look for um, the same searches on DuckDuckGoGo, which is a more independent search engine, you get a very different picture. It's the same with Facebook and Twitter. They tailor what people see. And so what you're seeing is not the reality. You're seeing the tailored narrative that the, the big tech and that the New York Times and the Washington Post, all of whom I would argue are compromised by China. And we heard the Professor Xi uh, a couple of weeks ago gave that speech. 
in Shanghai in which he said that the way that the Chinese Communist Party controls America and American policy is through the elites at the top. They're friends in Wall Street. They're friends among the elite establishment. And uh, they said in 2016, unfortunately, Wall Street could not fix Donald Trump. So the Chinese Communist Party had no real pull inside America while the Trump administration was in office. And now, Professor Xi, you heard him say, well, it's all going to be business as usual again now that the Bidens are back in town. He also made reference to Hunter Biden and his business dealings in China, which he was assisted in doing for a specific reason. The audience understood that and laughed. If they applied their own standards, they would impeach Joe on day one. Uh, we all know that's not going to happen. Great observations. Miranda Devine, thank you. Joe Contra, thank you. All right, 25 now till the top of the hour. 800-941-SEAN, our number. You want to be a part of this uh, program. Uh, there's a battle that's been going on now with China and Senator Marsha Blackburn of Tennessee. Now, it's very interesting. If you look at the the comments, one of my big questions, Ron Johnson and Charles Grassley did this report on Zero Experience Hunter. And we find out that things go way beyond him not having a background or experience in oil, gas, energy, or Ukraine and the millions of dollars made with Burisma Holdings and quid pro quo Joe withholding a billion dollars. You either fire the prosecutor in six hours, you don't get it. That prosecutor investigating his son, Peter Schweitzer, on earlier talking about the Bank of China deal. You know, Hunter, zero experience that we can find in private equity, flying with dad all across the world. And, you know, 10 days later, a billion dollar deal later becomes a one point five billion dollar deal. And the Grassley Johnson report chronicling Kazakh oligarchs and wire transfers with them, a Russian oligarch, the first lady of Moscow and a wire transfer of three and a half million, a shopping spree worth a hundred grand for Hunter and his family by a Chinese national. Then the news yesterday, it even gets deeper, is, yeah, this is office space for me, my dad, my uncle, and, uh, yeah, this guy from China. I go, okay. And Marsha Blackburn says China has a 5,000-year history of cheating and stealing, and some things will never change. The Chinese responded. We'll get to that in a second. Um, But Chuck Grassley saying Hunter and James Biden essentially served as agents for this government, the Chinese government. Listen. These associations... And the millions of dollars that passed between and among Hunter Biden, James Biden, and others create criminal financial and counterintelligence and extortion concerns. That's why I've written to the Justice Department about the risks that Hunter and James Biden essentially served as agents of the communist government for purposes of their registering under the Foreign Agents Registration Act. After Hunter Biden publicly confirmed he was under criminal investigation, liberal news outlets reported on concerns that his financial associations could create criminal financial and counterintelligence problems. Something you heard from the Johnson Grassley report several weeks ago. All right. Joining us now is Senator Marsha Blackburn. Uh, I see that China responded calling you a racist and ignorant, the most racist, ignorant U.S. senator I've seen. A lifetime, then the B word. And anyone not told the communist Chinese it's not a nice way to talk to a lady. 
Um, I, I know you're tough and you can handle it, and and uh, but I still don't like it. And uh, I'm a little annoyed because based on all of these foreign dealings, uh, nobody seems to want to ask the question, what do the communist Chinese have on Hunter and Joe? Because I think there could be a compromise situation here. There is no doubt, Sean, that this could be a compromise situation. And when you look at the affiliations between Biden Incorporated, primarily Hunter and James, and the Chinese government, the Chinese Communist Party, and see, this is one thing I think that is so important for everyone, for all of us to keep in mind. When we talk about China, we are talking about the communist regime that is running China. And Hunter Biden has had business dealings with these companies, with these banks that are owned in large part by the Chinese Communist Party. So, of course, this is something that should be investigated. Of course, 2018, he was being investigated. Biden campaign knew this. You know they knew it. You know Joe Biden and Jill Biden knew this, but nobody ever asked them the hard question. And now Hunter has had to admit, yes, he has been under investigation. So we know the New York Post story was accurate. We know the, that the owner of the Mac shop was telling the truth, and now they've tried to ruin his life. So, you know, China has sanctioned me. They come after me because I've been tough on them just not yesterday and a few weeks ago. I've been on China's case going back to my work in the House, defending intellectual property, fighting piracy, making certain that U.S. innovators and U.S. companies didn't get ripped off by China stealing their trade secrets, reverse engineering their products and their components. And we're going to stay on their case. China took our jobs. They took our innovation. They sent us a virus. It is time for us to begin to hold them to account. And I don't know if Joe Biden is the person that could do that, because I think his position is compromised. Well, I mean, I don't know if we're ever going to get to the bottom of it. I mean, you saw what happened in the lead up to the 2020 presidential race. I, I mean, the, the media just dismissed this as nothing, and then they suppressed the Correct. story about Hunter Biden um, and the laptop and Bobolinsky and the crack pipe pictures and everything in between. Well, and this is one of the reasons that we want to make certain and are pleased that the, that the Durham investigation now is a special counsel. We need to do likewise with all of this on Hunter Biden so we can find out what did happen. How is it that the Biden family was so engaged with people in the Ukraine, uh, with Burisma, with the Chinese, with the Chinese energy company? How is it that they were able to accept all of these elaborate gifts, diamond rings, shopping sprees, and nobody said anything, and the media never reported it? You know, the Media Research Center said that with this information on Hunter Biden admitting he has been under federal investigation for two years, that the mainstream media has only spent nine minutes covering this story. That is unbelievable. Nine minutes. The son 
of a guy who wants to be president. I still hope we get four more years of Donald Trump. But, you know, and he has been under investigation for two years by the FBI, by the Department of Justice, for tax evasion, for money laundering, and the media does not cover it. Well, it's sad because I don't see it changing anytime too soon. Uh, anyway, I appreciate the fight that you're in, Senator Blackburn of uh, Tennessee. Thank you. 800-941-SEAN is our number. Caleb is in uh, Texas on the Sean Hannity Show. How are you? Hey, Sean, how are you? I'm good. What's going on? You're 18 years old, I see, huh? Yes, sir. I turned 18 on October 28th of this year. I live in Jones County, Texas, and I voted for Donald Trump, and I support John Cornyn and Ted Cruz, and I just want to say that I feel cheated by this government. I really do. I feel cheated by elected officials. I feel cheated by the court, the, the Supreme Court, and I also feel cheated by my fellow voters, voters who aren't paying attention. The, the Supreme Court is supposed to uphold the law. And they're not, they're not upholding the law and the justice in this country. And the news shows that. The facts show that. And I, I just want to know why our country is not doing anything except for a select few group of individuals. So I have kids around your age, okay? One of the things I do try to instill in them a lot, and I have, they're both athletic, so I'll, I'll use a sports analogy, is life isn't fair. Uh, people do cheat. Uh, you don't always win. The harder you work, the better you'll do. You got it in life. You know, you, you just got to understand that not everything in this world is fair. You know, uh, do I see a lot of fraud and abuse? And I'm listening to these stories of whistleblowers and witnesses. And I'm looking at the affidavits. And um, I, I, it's it's mind numbing to me. I wish I could tell you things like this didn't happen, happen but they do. I'm just giving you the real deal here. No, no Pollyannish anything. And but, you know, I'm hopeful there were 75 million of us that voted for Donald Trump. Um, I'm hopeful that our top priority now becomes fixing a broken election system. I'm hopeful that we can right the ship and, and correct the wrongs and injustices. But in the back of my mind, too, I'll be I'll be totally blunt and I fear the admonition of Reagan, and that is freedom is but one generation away from extinction. And I don't want it to happen on my watch. Too many people have fought, blood, and died for this. Uh, and, and we hear the stated agenda of radical socialist Democrats. I can tell you, based on my experience, these policies will fail. These promises will never be met. Uh, we will give up freedom in the name of false security. And then it's just a question of how much we give up. And will the American people ultimately, I prayerfully, wake up and understand uh, that, you know, this can't happen in this country? I, you know, this is the kind of thing that we're talking about and have been discussing every day. It's almost hard to wrap your mind around it completely and, and comprehend it all. But that's the type of stuff that always happened in, in those other places. I didn't expect it to happen here. So, look, I mean, for you, you're 18 years old. You have your whole life ahead of you. Um, my, my, my best advice to you is find whatever talent God gave you. My advice to you is use freedom to bring the best out of yourself. Ultimately, you're going to be in some business where you either produce goods or services that people want, need, and desire. Be the best at what you do. Try to be the best. Try and improve every day and fight for the things you believe in. And if more people would do that and, and be skeptical of people, be skeptical of me, be skeptical of anybody, you know, trust, but verify. 
And I think that those those simple things, you know, follow the basic rules of life, love God, your neighbor as yourself, and start there. And if you do that, then, you know what, good things will start to happen for you, okay? Yes, sir. Thank you, Sean. It was a pleasure speaking to you. And I have one question. Yeah. Um, I am currently researching the history of our country and such. And in, in addition to your book and other books I picked up by Charlie Kirk and Ronald Reagan, do you have any book recommendations that I could use to educate myself? Yeah, do the, do the great ones book, Liberty and Tyranny. Start there. He's written some great books on the on our Constitution, on the thought leaders that that inspired our framers and our founders. I don't think there's anybody that's that's written a better book than Liberty and Tyranny. Try that one. Okay. Thank you, Sean. All right, my friend. God bless you. Thank you. 800-941-SEAN, if you want to be a part of the program. Uh, Frank is out in Long Island. Frank, hi. How are you? Glad you're with us. Hi, Sean. I'm kind of at the other end of the spectrum. I'm 68, going to be 69 years old. And yes, sir. And let me just say, the election was fixed, and nobody will ever convince me of it that it wasn't. But th- this is the troubling thing for some, from my perspective. Okay? We control the Supreme Court. Donald Trump comes along and the forgotten people to desist me, but we put him in office. We got control of the Senate. We got control of the House of Representatives. What happens? Nothing, really. McCain thumbs us down on Obamacare. We do pass the tax cuts, but nothing else really gets done. He puts three Supreme Court judges on the court. We control the Supreme Court six to three. The election comes now, 10, 11 million. Uh, obviously, we don't. <laughs> I mean, let's well, be honest we here. Don't because it's phony. We, we well, I mean, it is a phenomenon, they, isn't they it? Vote against it. They vote Frank, against it. Republicans always get burned. Republicans, uh, Democrats well, always we, get the we, radical we, judicial activists that they want. And, you know, John Roberts is a disappointment. What went on behind the scenes? Eventually, it'll come out. You're right about Republicanism. I'm not a Republican. Republicans have been weak, feckless, spineless, visionless. And Donald Trump gave him courage and gave him a backbone and showed people what he really taught people. If you pay attention, if Republicans paid attention is if you fight and you keep your promises and you fight to keep your promises, you'll get rewarded. You know, and 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 unfortunately, he was such a threat to all things the swamp. They were not going to let him win. And I think that's where you and I are in full agreement. There are way too many witnesses, eyewitnesses, way too many laws that were ignored, way too many things that happened here for, I think, reasonable people to have trust, faith, confidence that this election was held with integrity. I, I don't believe it was. Could I just say one thing? The Trump people. There's 75 million of us. No swamp creature can survive us. Primary these guys. Get them out. Because without our votes, they can't win a primary for any office without the Trump people. The, the, The Republican Party, we are the majority now. The Trump people are the majority. The, 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 the swamp Republicans are the minority. Get rid of them. Hey, listen, Mitch all you McConnell. need to look at, Frank, is two votes. One was in the Senate. You mentioned John McCain. There was also, in 2015, Republicans had the Senate, and they didn't have, the, the White House was never going to sign a straight repeal bill on Obamacare. Seven senators, when the vote mattered in 2017, changed their vote. Seven Republicans. It, you had 65 show votes to repeal and replace Obamacare. 65. And guess what? Um, they didn't do it when it mattered. And that would be 2017. So it's not Republicanism. 
Donald Trump did this, and and most of his accomplishments were done independently. Him taking on the full burden on himself. I mean, he's a um, he's a, he's a metaphysical force in the sense that this guy just doesn't stop. And while he wasn't presidential, he's tweeting. I, well, why do you think the switch goes off at a certain hour every day? It doesn't. All right, that's going to wrap things up for tonight. Hannity 9 Eastern, the battle over election irregularities continues. We cover the news the mob won't cover. Also, Swalwell, why is he still on the House Intel Committee? Why is he there? Rick Rennell will weigh in on that. Senator David Perdue will join us. And much more. 9 Eastern, please set your DVR. Hannity tonight. We'll see you then. Thanks for being with us back here tomorrow.